Okay. <laughs> Have fun cutting that out. I'm going to put that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Listen. This is your mom. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the intersection of plot and character arc. So we're getting into some craft stuff. <laughs> Today's complicated episode title is brought to you by Caitlin McFarland. By me. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. And I guess this is kind of my deal. So I'll kick it off. So since we're still pretty early in the podcast, I guess let's kind of talk a little bit about plot and character arc first and how a lot of times they're addressed as two separate things where I think that they are heavily intertwined and should be addressed together. Mm-hmm. So the plot, when we say plot, what do you, what do you, Charlie, you good at plot? It's the stuff that happens. It's the stuff that happens. It's happening. It happens in the story. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yes. Listen, guys, I know how to do things. I just don't know how to explain how I do things. That's okay. That's why we're talking about it. You're going to have good insights, and it's going to be fantastic. Oh, good. Yes. So, yeah, the plot is the stuff that happens. And, Charlie, what's a character arc? A character arc is when the character grows and changes throughout the book for better or for worse, and they are different in the end than how they were in the beginning. Great. Thank you. You know, there are such things as flat character arcs, but we're not going to address those today. I'm very good at those. (laughs) But do you mean to be? Is that something you're doing on purpose? We're not going to discuss that. So, it's a secret. Yeah. You usually see flat character arcs in, like, long-running series of books, like detective novels. Like, the detective doesn't really change from book to book. Overall, usually the series, they have a character arc, I think. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. But yeah, that flat arcs are kind of for those long-running book series where you have just like 25 stories about one character or something like that. Uh, okay, so we have here this quote from Chuck Wendig that I really like, and it is, have your character push on the plot more than it pushes on them, which I think is important. And I guess I should tell you guys first, just to establish my personal baseline, I read books for characters. I don't really, I mean, plots are great, but for me, what I want out of a book is to feel like I've been on a journey with friends, I guess. (laughs) So to me, when when I'm prioritizing, there are people who will prioritize plot over character arc, but for me, I'm prioritizing characters and their personal internal journeys over pretty much everything else. Yeah. I would say I'm 50-50, if not heavier on plot. Because yeah. you always like get on my case about character arcs in almost every single book of mine. You critique for me. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's probably more plot. Yeah. When, you, when you're reading, though, what do you think? Do you, are you reading more for plot or are you reading more for the experience of the characters? You know, I think it's the same. I would say it's probably 50-50. I mean, if I don't like the character, I'm not going to read the book. But mm-hmm. if the plot's good, I will. I mean, I was literally, before we start recording, talking to Caitlin about a book I will not mention, where <laughs> I thought the character, the main character, was a complete empty shell. But I did finish the book because the plot was interesting. Hmm. Um, but I wouldn't have read another book about that character because she was boring. Yeah, that makes sense. For me, I almost feel like if the character is bad, it would have to be a really interesting plot and a really interesting world. I don't think. But I if could the just... character is really good, 
the plot could be less because the character is so good. I think it, you could. You want both. Both are good yeah. to have. Yeah, you but need you both. you could get away with it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I can't think of a book where I was like, ooh, these characters are so amazing, but this plot is a little thin. What when about, I, like, The Secret Life of Bees? Like, not that much happens in that book, but the characters are phenomenal. Right. Well, and I guess you would, those would be more like, because we're fantasy writers and yeah. fantasy readers, but we do try to read a little more. I've read a lot of romance novels. I guess you could say in romance novels, almost all of the tension comes from character and very yeah. little comes from plot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I actually taught a workshop at Storymakers in 2018 about this, so we're going to kind of, like, use that as a baseline for this conversation. One of the reasons also I want to talk about this is because I think that it is a fantastic tool for plotting and character arc to kind of play them off of each other. You can totally help yourself plot a book if you know how you want your character's arc to go. And if you're kind of stuck on character arc, you can look at your plot and see maybe what direction you're already going in and evaluate. So that's something that we're, that's another reason I want to talk about this. Really like in a nutshell, it's that your characters need to be influencing your plot instead of vice versa. Your plot shouldn't be influencing your characters. We also were talking right before this about a book I'm currently reading where the character just goes off and does a super dangerous thing without any reason. And it's like, Yes. Why? Yeah. And that's why, yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. So why should, why should we talk about the intersection of, of plot and character arc? And why should you take your character arc in, into consideration when you're plotting? Why should you have your characters push on the plot more than it pushes on them? Well, one of the reasons, as Charlie has brought up, is organic storytelling. I don't know. Do you want to be more specific about what happened or should we just come up with a scenario? I will be semi-specific about what happened because... Um, this is a popular book and with a very talented author, and I don't want to throw either thing slash person under the bus. So essentially, we have a person in a very dangerous place. And this person is told this very dangerous thing is going to happen tonight. And you need to stay in this safe place because you will die <laughs> otherwise. And said character has already had encounters with similar but less dangerous things. So she is aware of the risk. Right. And, and yet... Go wait, ahead. And, and what did you say about her personality, too? She oh, her personality is great. I liked her. I liked No, no, no. I mean... No, you said she's savvy. She's not stupid. She's savvy. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. So that's the thing, too. This I really like this main character. She's very savvy. She's very survivalist. You know? Mm -hmm. And so she stays in the hiding place for a couple of hours before saying oh, but I just want to, and runs off to go check out this thing that will kill her. <laughs> and I just, I didn't understand. I feel like it would be so easy to find a motivation to get her to leave the room. Mm -hmm. But they there wasn't one. She just goes off right. into very obvious danger. Yeah. And, you know, and that it's not to save anyone's life. It's not to get information. It's not to do anything except that she's curious. Yeah. And if you are, if you are relying on your character to inform your plot rather than trying to coming up with your plot and then trying to force your character into these situations that you want to happen, I think 
you will avoid stuff like that. You'll avoid readers going, well, this character's too stupid. Well, I like to call TSTL too stupid to live. <laughs> too stupid to live, yes. Yes. <laughs> we have so many characters out there with TSTL syndrome. Oh, I have written some of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have. It's fine. We all go through it. So, yeah, so that organic storytelling is one reason to do this. Um, you can also tell a more emotional story, and you can tell a more satisfying story. So, yeah, that's some of the stuff we're going to kind of talk about. Let's talk about how... When you do this, you can tell a more emotional story. And this kind of comes in where you have a character and say they have a fear of something, right? So it's an action movie, but the character has a fear of heights. And this fear of heights is well established throughout the story. For me, if I look at my character and I go, okay, I know that they're afraid of this. That means that in my plot, I'm going to put a a thing where they directly have to face their fear. And I'm going to build that up so that maybe they try to face it and fail a few times. And in the end, obviously, they face it and they overcome it. And if by doing that, you've just created a much more emotional story than Mm -hmm. if you were like, oh, they're afraid of heights, but then to do the big thing at the end, they never, if they never have to face that fear, why does it matter? Why is it even there? Yeah, exactly. Or like, one of the things that I love about building a character is you have to give them a secret. But mm-hmm. if that secret never comes out, what's the point of them having a secret? And honestly, the secret coming out is always like a beautiful part of the plot. Yeah. Yeah, so if when I'm plotting, like, often it starts with a bullet point list of these things must appear in book. And that is my f- mm-hmm. very basic very basic form of plotting and it comes from the character so if they have a secret and if they have a fear then i've already got several plot points because here at a b and c their secret almost comes out and here at you know e f and g i skipped d um (laughs) (laughs) d got cut in revisions yeah they have to they have to face their fear of heights or whatever and then you you take those and obviously you mix them up you don't want them to disappear in that order but you already know part of what you need for your plot just by looking at character traits that you've given your character, which I think is really useful and kind of like a shortcut to making a story. Yeah, you know, and it's the same. So I teach a world building class. And a lot of times, even if you have no idea what you want your story to be, by really developing the world, you can plot just comes up because it's Mm. like oh well maybe there's a big volcano and it's like well surviving the volcano could be a plot or maybe they mine obsidian and then like you just go down all these things and you can see oh this is what the story could be about so if you create your characters first Mm. and you go deep into them you will see what the plot is you'll see what they're doing because i think i've said this before but setting influences character and character influences plot Right. Yeah. It's all one big circle. And here's the thing, too. If you are a plotter rather than a character developer, if you're like, because I think a lot of people come up with a generic idea or generic general idea for a plot before they come up with like character that might be like, oh, I know I want to have this broody man (laughs) because who doesn't want a broody man in their stories? And there's a volcano in this setting. And also there's a part where I know he's going to be dangling off the edge of the volcano. So there you've got your world, which has influenced your plot. Well, why not also give him a fear of heights? And now you've made it emotional because they Mm. all play off each other. And you have just, you know, taken a situation that could be like not a huge deal and made it emotionally impactful, which means it's going to stick with your readers more. Or asthma. There's a lot of fumes on those volcanoes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that's 
that's something, I guess that's just one example. I don't know, really, I mean, like, we could sit here and come up with more examples, but that's really kind of what it is, is it's like, whether you're coming up with your plot first, or whether you're coming up with your character first, if you come up with your plot first, look at your plot and say, well, what dangerous situations have I put this person in? What can I extrapolate from those and be like, now you're afraid of this, or now this is your one true weakness, or now this is your secret? You know, and it's like, it makes me think of um, Brandon Sanderson's Rules of Magic, because one, I think it's the second one, Mm -hmm. says that what the magic can't do is more interesting than what it can do. And I think that applies to characters. I think a lot of times we, you can even go online and get these like 100 questions about your character Mm -hmm. and develop them. And it's like, what's her eye color? What are her hobbies? Who's her family? And it's like, yeah, those are kind of important, but you really want to dig deeper. It's like, what are her motivations? What are her goals? What are her weaknesses and secrets and oh god there was one that you would bring up we did caitlin and i did a character workshop once for story makers and mm-hmm. there's this whole huge thing caitlin it's way smarter <laughs> Look at this question the <laughs> things were i believe my things are because i was going to talk about those in a bit too actually fear wound goal lie wound that's what i was thinking of what mm-hmm. is their wound and like it was this whole thing about how the wound alters the way the character perceives things. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, I guess let's talk about that stuff really quick then. So the wound is what is the thing that has happened to your character in the past that I guess has kind of traumatized them or has hurt them so deeply that it changes their perspective. So if somebody has had a, so, you know, a pretty common example of this would be in romance novels, if a character's had their heart broken, that is their wound, right? It hurt them. So they're hesitant to get into love again. And so that becomes kind of an internal obstacle or a romantic wall, if you will, which I'm positive we'll do an episode on, mm-hmm. that prevents them from achieving, you know, the plot, which is to fall in love in romance, right? What's So what's then maybe a more fantasy or action, I guess, oriented version of that? Can you think of one? Okay, so here's an example. Uh, you have a character who's a super powerful wizard, but in his past, his magic went awry and he maybe killed somebody that was really important to him. Mm-hmm. And now he won't use magic anymore. But the plucky hero needs him to use magic to do this really other important thing, and he refuses to. And then I'm sure this is the story somewhere. And you, <laughs> he has to, it's essentially has, having to overcome that wound and take your baby steps. And yeah. it's like, when is magic? I mean, that's a theme of a book, right? Like, yeah. when is it important to use your magic and when is it not? Right. Like, when, when is danger worth it? Yeah. Yeah, so the wound is the thing that happened to them in the past that affects how they act now and it affects how they perceive things now. I guess let's also, because I was going to bring those other things up, so let's see. The fear, the fear is often really super related to the wound. It's like, what does the character fear more than anything in the world? Mm-hmm. Like, the answer shouldn't be like the dark. The answer should be losing their brother because they've already lost their sister. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like, losing the sister would be the wound, right? But then the fear is related to that. It's, like, losing their brother because they already lost their sister. Uh, It doesn't have to be related, but I think it almost always is. Yeah. Um, Or it could be, like, I mean, you could – there's so many things you could do. It could be, like, this person's greatest fear is aging because they're a model and they're going to lose the only thing that they think is important about them, you know? Exactly. 
like it doesn't have to be some like big dramatic thing or like the person's biggest fear could be getting injured in a way like they're an athlete right yeah their biggest fear could be oh, if i getting injured you know mm-hmm. and it's the same same kind of idea there like you would lose your career you would lose what people other people find important in you look there's a character arc learning how to love yourself without the input of others right yeah mm-hmm. that could be the character arc of that book exactly yeah so that's the fear talked about the wound a character's goal is just the thing that they are trying to accomplish. Um, or So the, it's what the character wants. And oftentimes the whole point of a book is to show a character that what they want is never what they needed, right? So somebody wants mm-hmm. a promotion at work, but what they actually need is to reconnect with their parents and find inner peace, right? So that the goal is the thing that the character wants. Or so, like wanting something for the wrong reason and then like the, you still have the goal but for the right reason okay listen i didn't watch the whole thing but <laughs> when i was just took this trip down to arizona mr popper's penguins was on oh my gosh right? and i didn't watch the whole thing so this could be completely inaccurate but it seems like this guy's goal is to he's like a real estate investor and the goal is to sell this lady's house or buy and flip this lady's house which is a, a historical monument and be like this big time real estate investor and then the story is essentially about why your family is important and he still kind of achieves his goal at the end he's still a big time real estate he goes back to real estate he doesn't end spoiler he doesn't end up selling the big historical house Mm -hmm. but so the goal doesn't really change that much right but his perception of what is important does yes yeah so that's the goal and then the lie is commonly phrases the lie the character believes which is again often connected to the fear and the wound so it's like but it doesn't have to be so it can be like i'm not good enough or you know in a lot of again (laughs) you can tell that i've read a lot of romance in recent years yeah (laughs) um all men are liars and i won't trust one And that's Mm -hmm. the lie that they believe. And so they then go through the book having to unlearn the lie. So the lie is how they, the thing that they believe that's wrong, that they have to kind of unlearn through the book to achieve what they need, right? Yeah, I think the lie is also what's behind the infallible narrator. Yeah. You know, when when the lie is so great and it so colors your world that you become an infallible narrator. Oh, do you mean an an unreliable narrator? Infallible would be the opposite. (laughs) Sorry, I... You know unreliable. me, yeah. unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you are right. That is true. That can be true. I'm always just like, unreliable narrator. Huck Finn! Name another one. <laughs> Huck Finn! And I was like, that's just how I learned that. So I was always, Huck Finn! My <laughs> husband is listening to the audiobook of right now. Man, I haven't read that book since I was really young. Ninth grade. Yeah, mm-hmm. well... I had the, it's one of those books where I had the great illustrated classics kind of sanitized version. So that's mm-hmm. what I read when I was like probably, gosh, 12, 10. I don't know. I read a, I just, my school library had a whole shelf of those and I read them all. So that's my experience with the classics. <laughs> I should probably go back and read them for real. Anyways. Have you seen that Star Trek episode with Mark Twain? <laughs> no, but I've seen the Doctor Who episode with Vincent Van Gogh. What? <laughs> and the one with Agatha Christie. Okay. That's funny. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> so, yeah. So those those traits, fear, wound, goal, lie, that's four things that those are also really good tools for you to use when you are 
coming up with character, that will get to you will get to know them so much better than like, what's their eye color? What's their favorite food? Yeah, I mean, we kind of got off on fear won't go- blah, 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 fear wound goal lie. Um, but that's, yeah, that's pretty important. I had, I actually have a few other things recently that I had added to my list, but I can't remember what they are right now. So we'll talk about them later. We'll probably do really hard. I prepare. (laughs) Your mom is prepared for this podcast. So we will, yeah, we'll probably do an episode that's totally on character and coming up with characters and and that kind of stuff. It would definitely be worth it. So, okay, so I just did have a, a, I guess, also a quick note on why it makes stories more satisfying when you use character arc and plot to play off of each other. Well, I mean, character arcs exist because if a character doesn't change, what kind of was the point of the story, I guess, for me? It doesn't feel like a journey if you don't go anywhere, and I want to go on a journey. And also, we tend to be, it's more cathartic when we see people overcome their problems and grow and become better. A lot of time it can confirm for us like, hey, I relate to this person and they overcame. I could overcome. I think that's probably the deep meta thing that's at the heart of of most stories. I guess that brings us back around to organic storytelling, which, you know, when I say that, I mean stories in which events build on each other with a clear cause and effect relationship, where it's not A happened, then B happened, but A happened and therefore B happened. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. So an organic storyteller, I think, is the most brilliant kind because they never allow the reader to see kind of their machinations behind the scenes. You're you're such a gifted puppet master that people don't ever see you forcing your character into the plot. They they believe that the plot never could have happened another way because the characters were making all those choices. Yeah, so they, they create the illusion that the pieces move on their own. If you want a good example of this, watch Parks and Rec. i really feel like that show has the best characterization characterization of anything i've ever watched it's so good yeah yeah that makes yeah i love parks and rec and yeah i would absolutely believe that like leslie nope did you know (laughs) like all those choices that she made were hers yeah i have another example i i guess i won't say which book because it's a spoiler but and I had forgotten about this until I was reading through some old notes that I have on this presentation that I gave a few years ago. There are these characters, there are these characters and they serve in the military and they start out as basically teens in a school and they grow to become like military leaders and they're best friends. At one point the main character who's become like the higher up leader has to choose to do a certain thing that will save somebody, but this certain thing is something that he knows this friend will hate. And so I don't remember if it was because it humiliated him or if he wanted to die an honorable honorable death. I can't really remember which of those things it was. But he, the main character chooses to save his friend, even though he knows his friend's going to hate him for doing it. And it ultimately, over time this friend grows distant from the main character and does the big betrayal at the end. And you believe it because you believe that the original, that the main character is going to save his friend's life at any cost. But you also believe it because the friend is so obsessed. I believe if I'm remembering this right, it's been a few years. The friend is so obsessed with like image or honor or something like that, that losing face is like, Oh yeah, of course he did that. It was, (laughs) 
a sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yes. (laughs) Anyways, I hope that you guys can kind of see, I don't know, Charlie, do you feel like I communicated clearly why that's organic? Why I feel like, because it was all motivated by character choices. This is the thing that's really interesting about humans, and this is in real life too, so it works in books, is that like a human, a person can make themselves believe whatever they want to believe. The mind is just such an interesting thing, right? And that's something, if you need to build up character motivation, that's something you can 100% put in to any character you have, like them convincing themselves why this is important, them convincing themselves why this is okay. It all depends on the environment and how you execute it, I think. Honestly, that's all writing is. It's executing things in a believable way. Really? For for real? That's what it is? You can do whatever you want in a book. Whatever you want. If you set up enough to make the reader suspend their disbelief yes. and believe that that could happen. Yes, that is also something I say often. Like You can do literally anything. You just have to set it up so it works. So something else you can do is identify the arc you want for your character. And this is something I do at the beginning of every story I write. I ask myself, what is this character's arc? Where are they beginning? And where are they ending? And often I ask myself, well, where do I want them to end up? Who do I want this person to be at the end of the book? Because if I know that, then I then they cannot be that person at the beginning, which is something I see in a lot of amateur writers is they start with these people who are already perfect, flawless you know, there's nothing wrong with them. They have no fears or they have no character flaws. They have no lie that they believe. Well, why do I? Yeah, there's no room for growth there. Exactly. So why am I going to go? There's no journey to take with this person. So if you have a character and you know how you want them to be, make them that way at the end of the story. But then you have to make them imperfect at the beginning. You have to give them something to work towards. And also, what will happen if that person, you know, that flawed person you have at the beginning of the story, what will happen if they can't change? And how are you going to, is there a way that you can work that into your plot? Can they make the mistake of not changing first? Can that be a plot point that you have? And they they do the bad thing, and then they have to then fix it. Does that make sense? No, I think that's great. Like, what if the character is supposed to arc and they can't arc? Yeah. Like, how does that, like, imagine, like... That everything is building up for this climax in the character, despite all the training or self-talk or work they've put into it, they just can't do it. Like, that's great conflict. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't think I'd have that at the climax of the whole book. Maybe at the climax. you if, could. You could. Then it would be, that would be the difference between, like, a happily ever after and a tragedy, basically. Because that's, that's kind of what it is. So in, like, Macbeth. Yeah, Comedy I mean, the tragedy, tragedy is that these people, these people cling to their beliefs or what they want, their goal, and they can't let go enough of what they want to see what they need. And then they lose everything. And that's a tragedy. That's a tragic arc, right? Yeah. Instead of like a heroic arc, mm-hmm. which would, yeah, be them becoming selfless and, and being able to let go of the things they want to do the right thing. Like in Fable. Have video you ever played game? that game? Yeah. The I, <laughs> I, watch, I watch my husband play it. I've only played Fable 2. And by the way, the two-person playing thing is pretty broken. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, tragic arc. What happens if a character can't change? And yeah, so you want to craft a plot 
you know, once you know your character, you want to craft a plot that kicks your character in the right place, the place that hurts the most and makes change hardest. And you want to do that repeatedly. Because <laughs> as I've kind of already said, you want to shape your, you want to use your plot. If you know your character has whatever fear, whatever weakness, you want to use your, you want to create a plot that forces them to face that over and over and over again. The try-fail cycle and incremental change. And it's great. Um, for plot, a lot of times what what people have said for, what's it called? The thing I'm having right now. <laughs> Writer's block. Wow. Okay. Charlie yeah, just hit her face again. against her <laughs> yes, <laughs> One of the things that I always recommend for people who have writer's block, and this is not a Charlie original. I stole it from Lisa Mangum. But it's ask yourself what is the worst thing that I could do to this character right now at this moment? Mm -hmm. And I think for building plot, another thing you can ask is, what can these characters, what's the worst thing these characters can do to each other Ooh. at this moment or in this book? And then do it. Yeah, I love that because I guess that's that's such a good point that I didn't even think to include in the first place was that your characters and their arcs don't exist in a vacuum. They're arcing around each other. And you can use them against each other. And that's just fantastic. And you should. That's why I said, I said this in an earlier episode, I'm pretty sure. But one of my, oh, it's the Q&A. One of my favorite scenes to write was um, emotional climaxy stuff for Smoke and Summons, which I mm -hmm. won't get into because it's a spoiler. But it's basically characters doing awful things to each other. And it 100% sets up so much of the plot for book two. Yeah. But it's so enjoyable. It was so fun for me to write. And here's the thing. If it's fun for you to write, it's fun to read. I mean, obviously, char characters. Um, your readers also will hate you. But it's <laughs> fine as long as it ends happy eventually. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just such a fun thing to read and to write, I think. Especially if you can build it up in a way that we don't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. But like Which... once it happens, it's like, oh, that's to like you totally understand that it happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, and I will say this too, like using this kind of method of plotting does help you avoid cliche plot structures sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because you're not building here. I've noticed about myself and I've noticed about a lot of people is that we tend to just, I'm better at taking things and rearranging them into something new than I necessarily am like creating something from whole cloth. And so I have an issue where I will tend to just like kind of steal very magpie-like <laughs> Um structures and characters and things and you can run into being cliche but if you use if you use this kind of stuff to kind of really organically build your plot then you're not going to run into that problem as hard let me tell you something so i read um echo north by joanna ruth meyer and i freaking love this book like you it just made me think of this what you were saying thou I totally thought I knew exactly how this book was going to end. I was like, oh, it's obviously this trope. It's obviously this trope. I don't know if I'm going to keep reading this book. And then it 100% wasn't like 50% Mark. Mm -hmm. Totally turned it around. And it was freaking phenomenal. One of the things I really loved about it is that when the story starts, the main character is already halfway through her character arc and doesn't know it. Ooh. It's really interesting, and that I interesting. really loved it. Oh, yeah. she's such a good writer. I love you, Joanna. Yeah, doing this will help you make more interesting and uh, dynamic and unexpected things happen in your book, too. So that's fun. 
Yeah, and you know, I think we talked about this in the Q&A episode too, mm-hmm. about twists, right? And like, if you know your ending, it helps you make the like big twists. Mm-hmm. But if you know your character arc mm-hmm. and where you want your character to be at the end, that helps you make the ending. And yes, that helps you exactly. Make exactly. Gosh, yeah, because for me, the initial concept of a book always looks like I want fantasy action to happen with this kind of person and at the end I want them to be so cool so then I know at the beginning they can't be so cool and that means that fantasy action has to happen to make them cool and that's kind of the I guess nutshell of this whole thing (laughs) your your character should your plot should force your character to face what they fear and then your character should then grow from the things that happen in your plot it should all go back and forth and build on itself and throw setting in there and it's fantastic yeah you know and like this is a little out of the blue (laughs) i also feel like this is something that you can do it's like well i don't know how to go so in depth in this character right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ask yourself what was their character arc before the story starts because that like like, who are they now? And that could help you figure out the wound and that could help you figure out their fears. And so, I mean, this is kind of a funny example, but uh, there's an anime called uh, Roni, Ruroni Kenshin mm-hmm. or Ruroni Kenshin for all of us Americans. <laughs> but um, the main character, Kenshin, has already had this huge character arc before the series actually starts. And mm-hmm. it's actually the haunting of his past and that arc that propels the story for so long. But it makes him such an interesting character on episode one Mm -hmm. because of this past arc. Like, you don't always have to be starting fresh. Obviously, if you're writing a middle grade or even a YA, maybe you are starting fresh. Coming of age things is a thing. You don't have to. But but those people will also be starting fresh because they're younger. And I totally agree about about that, though. That's such a good point because people people aren't blank pages. You're sitting there Mm -hmm. staring at a blank page as an author – your character has lived a life. People go through various and multiple character arcs throughout their entire lives. And this was the other thing I was going to say, too, is like, if you have a character, if you're writing, say, an ensemble story, like I tend to, you can have some characters who aren't really doing much at the beginning. And then their inciting incident, as we like to call it, the thing that kicks off their story, happens over the course of the book, and then their character arc starts, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd say be careful where you place that. But that that probably mo- more applies to series where they may come in more into prominence later as more main yeah. characters. But yeah, I mean, you can play with the structure of this. But I would, the wound usually happens. The the fear wound goal lie. Those are all things that the character comes into the story with like already established. Those are things mm-hmm. that this is something I've heard recommended that I wholeheartedly agree with, and something I've done as somebody who plays D anD D is. Maybe before you start writing your actual story, you want to sit down and free write your character's backstory. And maybe you want to do that for each of your main characters and your your bigger side characters. Because it will help you get to know them and you it'll help you identify those things. And you can look at something else that's, yeah, that we've kind of touched on that's fun to do then is to look at then all of your characters and say, where do these people come into conflict and then create a plot that allows those conflicts to come to the surface. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that's pretty much what I have to say about it. Yeah. Right. And without, I mean, we could probably give more examples and things. And if you have, yeah, if you guys feel like we weren't 
there were points that you would like clarification on, you can email us at yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com with your questions. But yeah, I mean, I really feel like that kind of covers the gist of the idea. I think we'll probably wrap it up there and we'll be back with more episodes. This is such a big thing. Plot and character are the thing that stories are made of. So yeah, we'll definitely be talking about these things more in the future, but... I hope that, that was helpful. Appetizer for your novel dinner. <laughs> yes. You guys can rate, review, subscribe. Told you where we update our... every Tuesday. Yes. You can find me on Facebook at Caitlin McFarland Author, on Instagram at Words and Geekery, and oh, I have a website. It's CaitlinMcFarland.com. Yes. <laughs> she always forgets. I do, because I'll be honest, I don't update the website a ton, but you can find some old, I put a lot, I used to do like a lot of blogging about like writing tips and stuff. So you can find that on there. So that might be helpful. What about you, Charlie? I am Charlie N. Holmberg. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram at CN Holmberg. And I also have a website, which is charlienholmberg.com, which has some free short fiction on it if you want to read it. And I am in the process of putting even more short fiction on there, though by the time you listen to this, it is already there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And oh, yeah, we write books. I am the author of the Dragonsworn Trilogy. The first book is called Soul of Smoke. I also have a couple of stories in the Deep Magic Easy, which you can read for free with Kindle Unlimited. Is that right, Charlie? I believe so, yeah. So I've got two short stories. One is called Lady of War, and then I have a novella called A Power Arcane. So those are some things that I've written. I am best known for the Paper Magician series. I also have the Spellbreaker series out right now and the Numina series, which is that Smoke and Summons book that I was talking about earlier and a smattering of standalones we won't go into because we don't have all day. Yeah, Charlie has written 15 books in like the last six or seven years. So, or published, published 15 books, written- Six and a half. Yeah, written probably closer to like 20 or 25 books. I have no other hobbies. (laughs) awesome okay do you have a pun today charlie i hope you enjoyed this very novel podcast oh my god there's so many writing podcasts out there